Welcome to Jay's Talk on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Show Ali and Ben Nicholson-Smith here with you for eh, 20 minutes or so as we celebrate a 4-3 Blue Jays win across the network. Wow, what a game, Ben. That was That was some game, especially when you consider the timely hitting. When you can go back to, I guess it was the seventh inning where the Blue Jays seemingly manufactured some runs. You and Ben were talking about it. The Blue Jays emptying the bench with some pinch hitters, pinch runners, and uh, the Blue Jays walk away from Angel Stadium, guaranteeing the series split at the very least after winning the first two games of this four-game series. Alec Manoa had a very good game as well, coming back out and having a very clean six innings of uh, sixth inning of work. And uh, again, some some nice production from the bottom of the order. <laughs> Maybe not so much from the top of the order, but I have to say I, I am pleased. Uh, four runs, I think you want you want more than that. But at the same time, I am very pleased to see the production from the bottom of the order. Um, ben Schulman mentioned it during the broadcast, Ben, but uh, you know, it's not always going to be that consistent from the bottom of the order, and it kind of mucks things up on the scorecard when you see so many pinch runners. But Charlie Montoyo, I have to give the guy credit. He pushed all the right buttons, not only with the pinch runners and the pinch hitters, but from the bullpen tonight as well. Absolutely. This is one of those games where if one thing goes wrong, the manager can look a whole lot different. In this case, you know, you saw it in the seventh inning right there with Jansen getting the pinch hit single. Then Zimmer comes on and scores as a pinch runner. Then another pinch hitter emptying the bench, Matt Chapman, gets a hit. So those are big developments. And, you know, as you say, show, you look at the way that they use their bullpen. And, of course, you know, you have Romano in the ninth. He strikes out the side. That's ideal outcome. But even before that, getting through that eighth inning was going to be tricky. And so they brought in Trevor Richards, knowing that they were going to be facing potentially a bunch of left-handed hitters and switch hitters, knowing that they don't have Tim Mesa, Richards kind of their best bet because his changeup can play against opposite hand hitters. And it works out with two strikeouts from Richards and a three up, three down inning. So as you say, Charlie Montoyo will go to bed tonight knowing that he really managed well and his players responded with some really good performances between the lines. I got to say that Trevor Richards performance, I freely admit when I saw Richards come in in the eighth inning, I'm sitting here in the in the main Sportsnet studios by myself. And I, I all get think I think I said out loud. Oh, no, not because I don't trust Trevor Richards. I think generally speaking, his tenure as a Blue Jay has been largely very positive. But I think that was a situation the Blue Jays would have loved to have seen Tim Mesa. That's where you want to see Tim Mesa. That's where his absence hurts. But, hey, I mean, he came in, and and again, like you say, Ben, you want, I don't know if you really feel super comfortable seeing Richards in that spot against switch hitters and lefties, but like you said, he, he acquitted himself very well, I thought. He did, and he got a bit of a call. That final yeah, pitch he did. to Luis Renjifo was a ball. We can uh, certainly say that, having looked back at the replay, but he still was throwing strikes for the most part. He still got Jared Walsh, who had homered earlier in the game, so... Nice job by Richards right there. And yeah, that's the reality right now with this bullpen because Andrew Vasquez is just not going to be trusted. He's one of the lefties in this bullpen. And Ryan Barucki has had some trouble locating his slider in recent weeks. So you don't necessarily have that trusted lefty option out of the bullpen. And that's where Richards gets an opportunity and really made the most of it. So let me ask you this then. I see here... Uh, and again, you can text us at 595.90, name and location. We'll take your text uh, for the next 15 minutes or so. 
Uh, the Jays initially, after Alec Manoa came out of this game, and we'll get to Manoa in a sec because I thought he had another fantastic run, a great stat here dug up by Sportsnet Stats um, on Manoa. But first, Jimmy Garcia, who we also saw pitch yesterday, and I, you had mentioned this during the broadcast, but I, I just want to reinforce it, that maybe yesterday's appearance by Garcia might have been one of his most efficient and dominant outings in his in his very short tenure so far as a Toronto Blue Jay. Uh, but I guess that speaks to a how much they and they by meaning Charlie Montoyo, the pitching staff, the front office, they trust Jimmy Garcia in big moments and instead of say going to Julian Merriweather or like you said Andrew Vasquez. I mean, I, I honestly, Ben, if if we had seen Merriweather come in in that moment, I think I might have just thrown my headset off. Honest to God. Yeah, and you know we saw earlier this week. The Jays were in that in that opener in St. Louis, and it was going to extra innings potentially. And they did use Merriweather. Right. They did use Phelps. So you know, in in today's game, we're seeing a little bit of a contrast where they managed and they went right away in a tie game in that situation to their top relievers. And Jimmy Garcia, of course, now in that group. You have to think moving into the third game of this series on Saturday. Jimmy Garcia, Jordan Romano, they're probably both unavailable. Uh, I mean, I don't know if you see it differently, show, but to me, I'm, I'm guessing those guys are probably uh, in the red tomorrow. I wouldn't be shocked if we saw Garcia because he was pretty efficient, but at this, I would be shocked if we saw Jordan Romano. I think I, I, the Blue Jays, in, in the last couple of seasons at the very least, I don't think we've seen Romano pitch on three straight days too often. I think it has happened, but... If it has happened, it hasn't happened more than maybe once or twice. I know I remember Barker asked me about that last year when we were looking up some stats for one of the games, and I was shocked to see that it had happened, but again, doesn't happen a whole heck of a lot. So I uh, I wouldn't expect to see him tomorrow. It does beg the question, if he is unavailable, who do you feel the most comfortable in a save situation? For me, it's probably Adam Simber at this point, and we have seen him get the uh, get the ninth inning if, if the situation calls for it. Having said that, I get the sense with Simber, and again, he didn't pitch today, but with Simber, I, I've always kind of felt like he's not the pitcher you want coming on with a guy on third and one out, no outs or one out. Just because, and we've talked about this at large this season, the Blue Jays' bullpen doesn't get a lot of swings and misses, and Simber has been very, very good so far in his tenure. I, I think he's in the uh, inner circle of trust, a term we've used before on Jays Talk. And uh, this, but despite that, you know, he he's he is a fire hose to put out some fires when it when when the Blue Jays need it. But at the same time, more often than not, if there is less than two outs and, and the guy on third, that guy is probably scoring if Simbers on the mound. Right. He's not going to overpower a ton of yeah. hitters and he's a pitch to contact guy he can get you some double plays. So there are situations where that helps. But yeah, as you say, you know, he's not that traditional closer, and that's why he's probably been used more of a setup role where he can face those right-handed batters, get some ground balls. I do think, you know, on a day like tomorrow, if the Jays are playing another close game, which certainly they play more than their share of, I think he would be the guy in all likelihood, having not pitched today, just 10 pitches in the opener on Thursday. So my guess is he would be the guy, but even, you know, we say this after losses, we, we would have said this if they had blown the game, even watching today, they still have a need for more relief. They have a need for more trusted relievers that can join that group and give Montoya and Pete Walker even more options. I wouldn't mind seeing the Blue Jays give 
someone like Adrian Hernandez, a bit of a look out of the out of the minors. I know he's playing with I think it's the Bisons right yeah. now. Um, but at the same time, I I wouldn't mind seeing him come in and get some work in the seventh inning. Um, he has he has some pretty nasty splitters and a change too. So I I, I you know we, maybe we see them give him a try. But hey, maybe we also see some reinforcements come from outside the team, much like they did with Trevor Richards and Adam Simber last year. Um, you're listening to Jay's talk here on the Sportsnet Radio Network, of course. Show and Ben Nicholson Smith here with you for a couple more minutes. Um, before we take our first break, of course, I do want to talk about Alec Manoa. Lots of strikeouts tonight. Nine strikeouts for Alec Manoa. He went six innings. He allowed seven hits, three runs. Two of them earned no walks. Those nine strikeouts. He has not allowed more than two runs, Ben. Two earned runs, pardon me, in any of his nine starts this season. Uh, and that home run that he allowed to Jared Walsh, the Tyler Wade home run would have been a bomb in 26 of 30 ballparks. So I think you can just chalk that up to Tyler Wade seeing a pitch he liked and cranking one even as the nine hitter for the Angels. But that Jared Walsh home run would have been a homer at Angel Stadium and nowhere else in Major League Baseball. Only one of 30 ballparks would have allowed that to be a home run. And we saw it tonight. Wow. Well, that is something. I mean, that always is pretty telling when it is just the one of 30. Of course, it's the one they were playing in. So it, it counts. Course. And, uh, <laughs> you know, that's the that's the shame of it for Manoa. But he had a really good outing. I mean, to strike out nine, that's a season high for Manoa. And his defense really didn't do him many favors. Um, there were some times there where he was in trouble, able to work out of it. He got the pitch count up pretty high. Yeah. So it wasn't going to be one of those very extended outings, but still able to do his job, really keep the Blue Jays in the game. It almost reminds me of the Gosman start we saw this week where, you know, he's not necessarily dominant. It's not going to be his signature start in the major leagues. But if you do this week after week, you really help your team. And Manoa certainly did that today. I I just want to say this, uh, Sportsnet Stats dug this up. The lowest ERA through the first nine starts of a season, credit to Steve Fellin and the crew, um, in Blue Jays history, okay, you have Dave Steeb in 1983 had an ERA of 1.16 through nine starts. Then you have Alec Manoa this season, 1.17. After him, Roger Clemens in 1997, 1.86. And Juan Guzman, 1992, an ERA of 2.09 through the first nine starts. That is some, uh, dare I say, some pretty nice company to be sharing if you're Alec Manoa, Ben. Oh, yeah, tremendous company. He has been so good to start his career, and we have come to expect a lot from him. Oftentimes, like, you think about a Gosman, you think about, I don't know, a Joe Musgrove or even a Shohei Otani, it can often take a long time for pitchers, even aces, to reach that level. It doesn't usually happen in the first calendar year, especially with so little minor league time, but Manoa really belongs here. We saw it all night with some strikeouts of Taylor Ward, of Mike Trout. You know, he was really on at times, and the stuff was certainly playing and certainly uh, confusing these Angels hitters. Yeah, Manoa always the unflappable presence on the mound and a little fiery as well, and that's what you like to see. Nine strikeouts over six innings of work from Alec Manoa as the Blue Jays win 4-3, guaranteeing the series sweep or pardon me, the series split. The series sweep would be nice too, Ben, but a series split yeah. <laughs> in Los Angeles here after game two of four. You're listening to Jay's Talk. I'm show. That's Ben. We'll be right back. When we return, we'll get to the text line, 590-590, name and location. You're listening to Jay's Talk on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Two outs, bottom of the ninth. No one on trying to win it. The 2-2. Swing and a miss, strike three. At 97 upstairs, 
Jordan Romano closes out back-to-back -back wins for the Jays over the Angels, striking out the side in order, including Shohei Otani. Wow. Wow, indeed. That's what you want to see when you have your closer, dare I say the best closer in the American League, maybe one of the best closers in baseball. That's what you want to see, him getting the American League MVP uh, swinging to end the game. Boy, that's a, that's a moment that I'm sure Romano will remember. And of course, we remember a 4-3 win for the Blue Jays over the Angels. I'm Show Ali with Ben Nicholson-Smith here on Jays Talk for a couple more minutes as we break down this 4-3 win over the Angels. And uh, Ben, before we get back to the discussion of tonight's game, Alec Manoa, of course, going six innings, nine strikeouts, no walks. He's not allowed more than two earned runs in any of his nine starts this season. Let's get to the Bet365 standings update. Bet365 is the world's favorite sports book with 63 million members worldwide, 19 plus, play responsibly, Ontario only. And again, we like to check in on the AL East here, and the Yankees did win again. They uh, beat the Rays 2-0, Matt Carpenter and Glaber Torres with some solo home runs. So they're now 33-13. and Clay Holmes, who is, I guess, Ben, Clay Holmes is the de facto closer for Aaron Boone now. I mean, I know Roldis Chapman has largely struggled this year, but it certainly seems like Holmes has grabbed that uh, that role and has, has run away with it. Oh, he's been great. Yeah, I mean, that Yankees bullpen is just so deep. So even if Chapman isn't at his best, and he has not been at his best this year, they have so many other options. So, you know, whether it's Michael King, I know Chad Green is on the injured list right now, but Holmes has really inserted himself right into that mix and, and done a great job. Jonathan Lewisaga is another name oh, that I, th I so think good. of. Yeah, he like he was a he was a fire hose last year, and he continues to be uh, this year as well. But yeah, Clay Holmes has been remarkable. Twenty four consecutive scoreless innings of work for Clay Holmes for the Yankees, but they're 30, 33 and thirteen. The Rays, who were on the other end of that uh, the, that game today, that lost twenty six and nineteen. The Jays with the win are twenty five and twenty. So with the Rays loss and the Jays win in uh, back to back nights, the gap between these two teams only one game so you know maybe we'll see maybe we'll see that change before the end of this series in los angeles uh tonight uh the boston boston red sox and the baltimore orioles are playing each other and again another wild game because the red sox were up eight to two over the orioles tonight man and they lost that game 12 to eight the game did not even go to extras the the orioles just had a massive comeback 10 straight unanswered runs for the orioles over the uh red sox in front of the fenway faithful I still have trouble actually conceptualizing this almost. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, you know, it's one thing for the Red Sox to be on a hot streak that I can make sense of, but for the Orioles to be scoring like this and playing somewhat respectable baseball, it's also, you know, for, for those of us who are locked in on the Jays so much, we don't really see, we haven't seen the Orioles yet. And so uh, this new version of Baltimore that can somehow come back and score like this, I'm still not used to it. Yeah. Jorge Mateo, Austin Hayes, Santander, you know, who, by the way, fantastic name to say on the radio, uh, all of them scoring in bunches today. So the blue, the blue Jays, I think will have their hands full. It's going to be, it's, I, I mean, I don't think the Orioles are going to be contending for the playoffs anytime soon, but at the same time, this is not a completely non-competitive club with the Baltimore Orioles. I think you do expect them much like the, that series against the Reds. You do expect the blue Jays to beat the Orioles more often than not, but I mean, the, in a lot of games this year, the, the Orioles have beaten the Yankees. They've made things competitive against the Yankees. They've done the same against the Red Sox. So it's they're not an automatic win, I guess is what I'm saying. 
Yeah, it's an interesting shift. The American League East changing before our eyes here, and the Jays doing their part to gain some ground in the standings. They are 25 and 20 right now. They've got a little bit of uh, a buffer between that 500 mark and, of course, looking to go well beyond that as they continued their series here in Los Angeles and then head home for a couple American League Central matchups. You're listening to Jay's Talk here, show and Ben Nicholson-Smith on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Let's get to the text line, Ben, 59590, name and location. I see a couple of texts here from across the country, a couple from Alberta, Aurora, uh, Victoria, B.C. Why don't we get to Nico's text from Victoria, B.C.? And Nico asks, I want to ask you guys what you're seeing with the Hernandez and uh, how concerned we should be in the long term about both the injury potentially impacting the performance and re-aggravating the oblique injury. It just seems that he is not feeling very comfortable in the box right now. I believe he did get a an infield hit today. But again, after the day off yesterday, it wasn't like it was a huge offensive explosion for Teo today, Ben. That's right. He did get that infield hit in the second inning and he seemed happy afterwards as he so often does but then a ground out caught looking in the sixth inning that was on a hesitation pitch and then caught looking again in the eighth inning so another rough offensive game one single and four at bats two strikeouts so Teoscar I mean the timing has eluded him the results have eluded him it's looking rough I mean I, I yeah there's there's no other way to say it the results are not there he is struggling And there's, you know, it's hard to know what the way out of this is, but I do continue to point back to the fact that he's healthy and he's a two-time defending Silver Slugger winner. So you have to believe that, you know, this, this adjustment is possible for him to make and he can get back to that form at some point. Let's go back to the text line, 590-590, name and location. Rob, listening from Calgary, Alberta. Do you see Nate Pearson becoming a meaningful bullpen piece this year? Um, You had given the update on Pearson, I think it was yesterday, Ben, during the injury report. Uh, What do you think? Are we going to see Nate Pearson... Let's say if we were to put a timeline on it, because and, and that's hard to do because it's, you know, you're basically rubbing the, the crystal ball here and guessing. But at the same time, I, I wonder if we don't see Pearson at this rate, given he's, he's doing those bullpen sessions uh, in Buffalo and so on. I wonder if we don't see him maybe before the All-Star break. It's possible. Yeah, he's progressing now. He finally got into a rehab game with Dunedin yesterday through 30 pitches, if I'm not mistaken and work through more than an inning. So that's a big step back for him to get into an affiliated game. And he still has more work to do. I mean, he clearly will have to get to that AAA level and work there. But to answer the question, yeah, I do think that he will be a meaningful contributor in this bullpen at some point this year. I think there's actually very little doubt of that, of course, with the asterisk of health. So I guess there is some doubt. But as long as he continues on this current progression, he is on track to be a meaningful bullpen contributor. Do you think the Blue Jays still see him long-term as a starter? They see him, from what they say, they see him as a bulk contributor. So at this point, they got five starters. They don't need him in the rotation. That means kind of the Ross Stripling role, the Trent Thornton role would essentially be Pearson's. And that's fine. I, I think moving forward, like to me, the interesting question is spring 2023, whether you stretch him out as a starter then, or whether you say, you know what, we're happy to have him as a reliever. And honestly, to me at this point, I think if he can be a really good reliever, that's great. You need good relievers. So there's nothing wrong with that. I dare say in the spring of 2023, I dare say, Ben, if, if Pearson is still on this roster, and I think he probably will be, 
I, I bet we're, you and I are having the conversation about whether, and, and I, this, I'm sure this will be texted in next year, as to whether or not the Jays should uh, sunset Hyunjin Ryu and make Pearson the, the fifth starter and move Ryu to the bullpen. Because I've already seen this season calls to move to Ryu to the bullpen. And like we talked about yesterday, I think Ryu is effective for being the fi- essentially the fifth starter on this ball club. But hey, I mean, if Pearson comes back, he goes into that bulk roll out of the bullpen. He is effective right away. There will be calls to make him a starter. It won't be long before those calls begin to come out. And I, yeah, I think that's understandable just given that the Jays have presented him as a starter for so long. And there's been so much talk about him as a potential starting pitcher. Now, to me, if he can be effective in relief and you know, just just getting back as step one, if he can get to step two and also be effective, then I, I don't know. I think there's just, you need relievers, especially this Blue Jays team. They need relievers more than they need starting pitchers at this point. And I wonder if there might be a temptation to say, uh, at least, you know, among some people and maybe myself included, to say, hey, if he can be someone who gives you an inning and a third and keeps games close or gives your team a couple big strikeouts with that velocity, that could really help. Hey, I mean, we just spent a couple of minutes talking about the Yankees bullpen. There's no real reason why the Blue Jays bullpen, if you add Pearson, if you add maybe a one other piece, whether that is Adrian Hernandez from the minors or someone else, there's no real reason why the Blue Jays can't also have one of the top bullpens in the American League. And I I, honestly, I dare say it, it is now, but there's no reason they couldn't uh, continue to bolster that. But uh, we only got a minute left here, Ben. Quickly, uh, thoughts on Yusei Kikuchi going tomorrow against Michael Lorenzen. His past couple of starts, pretty promising, right? Yeah, Kikuchi has really turned his season around and delivered some much more consistent results. I think, you know, he he battled early in his most recent start against Cincinnati, but was able to bounce back. So he has given the Blue Jays more reason to be confident with what it is that he can bring. And the Jays right now, the way they're hitting, the way that things are going for them, they're in a good spot with three wins in a row. Yusei Kikuchi going to the mound, the hard-throwing throwing lefty. That's Ben Nicholson-Smith, and that does it for Jays Talk on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Thank you for being up with us uh, for some late-night baseball. Jays win it 4-3 to three over the Angels in the second of four. We'll get back at it tomorrow. Ben Shulman and Ben Nicholson-Smith on the call. Like I said, Yusei Kikuchi on the mound for the Jays, Michael Lorenzen for the Angels. Thank you for listening to Blue Jays Baseball, served up by the always game-ready Jack Links Meat Snacks. Feed your wild side, baseball fans. Jays win 4-3. to three. BNS and I are back tomorrow night. We'll talk to you then. Ladies and gentlemen, the weekend.